You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. Welcome, Honey Hole Homies. Gotta love that intro. Honey Hole Homies. You like that? I, I I'm not angry about it. Someone messaged me that. They said, thanks, Honey Hole Homie. And I was like, <laughs> oh. oh, what a great name. Dude, that should be our Facebook group name. I, or our uh, Discord group name. Honey Hole Homies. The Honey Hole Homies. Dude, we could sell a little pin. Yeah. It says, I'm a member of, I'm a Honey Hole Homie. I'm a Honey Hole Homie. Oh, no, it's a You've got pins. You've got decals. <laughs> you can do all sorts of stuff. I'm a Honey Hole Homie. Well, by the time this podcast releases, I think it's a good time to announce that we have a collaboration sticker with Drama Lupe yeah, coming out. Yeah, we do. <laughs> you guys will hopefully have seen it. The you guys will have seen it. I, those stickers are going to be hand-delivered to me on Saturday Ooh. at the Fly Fishing Roundup. We're going to be selling them at the event, and I'm going to bring them back and put them on the website. I'm so excited for them. I, I, this is probably one of my favorite sticker designs. It is. Chris, have you seen it? I don't know that I have. Uh, Zach will get it pulled up while I talk about it. So, yeah, we collaborated with Drama Lupe. On a sticker, uh, it's Honey Hole X, Drama Lupe River, the meme page, the I guest we had talking on. about it, but I don't remember. Yeah, so t- tell us what you think about that, Chris. I, yeah, I can definitely <laughs> take that. Are you into it? Oh, Are yeah. you a fan? Would oh, you yeah. buy one? I'm, I'm going to need a couple. Yeah. 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 I'm going to need one for the kayak and one for the for the uh, cooler. For okay, sure. awesome. So Chris gives you guys a seal of approval. You know it's going to be good. But It's it, good for the kayak and the cooler. It's good for the kayak and the cooler and the rod vault and the truck and the back window of the forerunner. And your left ass cheek. And <laughs> you could tattoo it on your left, a- left <laughs> ass cheek. It's a good sticker, though. No, it's very just, trashy. Just a sticker, and then rip it off every night, you know? Eventually, you'll have a bald spot, and then you just, you'll stick with just it. Just super glue it on every time you need to reuse it. Gorilla glue. One sticker? Yeah. No, no, see? Trying to get them to buy more stickers. Oh, yeah. You need a new sticker every day you put it on your butt. Yeah, that's true. I don't think I bought enough in the initial run for that, but... Well, you got to get people started first, right? Yeah. I mean, and then them. eventually, uh, Zach is working on... We're working with Drama Lupe on a t-shirt design that is going to be the same design as that sticker on the back of the shirt, but we're trying to come up with a small logo to put on the front. On the Let front. me brainstorm on that. I might be able to come up with it's, something. Yeah. We're thinking, I'm thinking trash flies. Trash flies. Or just, just, or just name. Drama Lupe X Honey Hole Hangout? Mm-hmm. You could do that with more trash flies. Like, we need a, uh, what's that carp squirmy worm combo fly? A corny worm. We need a corny worm. Do you need a corny worm? We need a bead. Oh, so you need trout beads on there you for sure. You need trout beads yeah. on there for sure. Yeah. Uh, mop fly. Yeah. I think the mop made the back, though. Mop and squirmy made the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can never else? have too much mop. What else would be a good one? Yeah, what else is super trashy, Chris? You're, you're known for fishing trash. Oh, what yeah, else? sure. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll come up with something, but <laughs> <You're no proficient>. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that, Landon. Yeah, 
Feel I'm just throwing I'm accusations the out there. Oh, I didn't even introduce our guest. Hey, Chris. <laughs> What's up, guys? So hey. you guys probably heard Chris's voice for the first time on the podcast when we recorded the Real Recovery episode. Yeah. He was on for a short amount of time yep, to discuss his experience at Real Recovery. His we, first time experience at Real Recovery. First Rose. time. So let's do a quick follow-up on your first-time experience because we recorded on Saturday night, mm-hmm. but then we also continue to fish on Sunday. So how did the retreat end for you, and what are your overall thoughts on real recovery and the retreat as a whole? I, I mean, I, I truly enjoyed the experience. It was a lot of fun. Everybody had a good time. Everybody caught fish. It was it was cool to see the change in confidence in my buddy from Saturday into Sunday because by Sunday, he didn't even need me there. It was He was doing his own thing it was you got kicked to the curb no i mean he Were had you me emotionally crushed oh i mean i was a little hurt but <laughs> no he uh <laughs> he i mean he was getting out there and he wanted he was going to different spots i was just giving him basically suggestions of where to cast you were a knot tire yeah more or less and a, and <laughs> a tire. yeah and a line untangler but otherwise he was doing his own thing he nice. knew what he wanted to do he had the his casting style down or we couldn't get the full casting ability just because of things for him, but he had the flip cast and the roll cast going pretty well. So, I mean, it all worked. He made it work. So, but yeah, the, the experience as a whole was a lot of fun. Definitely want to go back and do another one at, well, several more, but, um, yeah, enjoyed every minute of it. It is. It's, it's, it's a pretty special weekend. What did you think of the closing ceremonies? It was cool. It was, it was very touching getting to hear everybody speak about their experience and kind of what they're going through and what the, the trip, what the outing meant for them. Um, just getting to hear, because I mean, I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with each of the other buddies because we were all, you know, doing, doing our, our own thing, thing with the fishing. But getting there at the end to hear their 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 final comments on everything and what how it impacted them and how they felt after they were done was it was a powerful experience. Awesome. So we have Chris Skinner, we have Landon, we have Zach. Yeah, that's the rest of the crew. Gabe is out. Yes, he went bye bye. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, so we're kicking Gabe to the curb. Is that what I'm hearing? Gabe got <laughs> Gabe voluntarily kicked himself to the curb. Wow, for yeah. tonight. Yeah. Oh, just for the night. Yes, okay. just, just for the night. For the night. Okay. Yeah. He was like, guys, I can't be there. Oh, he said Chris is there, so I just don't want to show up. That's yeah. that's how that went. What did you do at the retreat to make Gabe mad? I don't know. Something. Were you not listening to him I, as he was chatting commands? There's too much bromance between me and Zach Harris, so yeah. it was, he, he felt like he was left yeah. out. Yeah, there All is a them. strong competition between Zach Harris. And <laughs> there is. Yeah. Like who's <laughs> a be- who's a better fly tire? If you get them going on that, oh yeah, ooh. it's fun to watch. It is fun to listen to them argue about yeah. who's a better fly tire. Just watching the banter back and forth between the two of them is entertaining in and of itself. Yeah. So. Oh, one hundred percent. Oh yeah. So today we're going to talk to Chris about fun stuff. He's just one of our buddies, and we're just going to hang out and have a good time tonight. We're going to tell you about our drink. Uh, Zach and I went fishing this weekend, not together, but we both happen to be fishing. Yeah. Chris put the fly pole away. Yeah, I put the fly rod down today, went out and did some fishing out of Calaveras Lake, caught some redfish and some catfish and an anchor, so that was kind of entertaining. But Nice. nice. We'll hear more about that in a minute, but first, a word from our sponsor. From the vice to the boat, to the bank, to those moments you connect to a fish, Loon Outdoors is with you every step of the way, with tools designed at the bench and on the water to help make your best day on the water better. Did you see all their new tools they just released? They released new tools? They did. Yeah, uh, no. on the water tools, yeah. yeah. 
while you're fishing. Yeah. Let's see. Pull they up, look, Zach. They look good. Why Zach's pulling that up, Zach. Chris, <laughs> whoa, what just happened? I We start talking about Zach Harris. We've already got too many Zachs in this group. We Dang. don't need a third one. Chris, <laughs> wow. So, Chris, what is your favorite loon product, or do you use loon products? I do lo- use loon products. You're a big fly tire, so yeah. I assume so. Uh, I do. Probably the number one product that I use from them is the loon um, UV Thin. Probably utilize that more than any other. I use the flow a little bit. I use the thick for building um, basically UV heads on some of my streamers. Mm-hmm. But the thick is kind of my go-to. I, I I use it as a finishing tool on my on my flies, especially when I'm tying saltwater stuff. I don't use a whole lot of uh, resins or epoxies or anything when I do freshwater flies. But when I'm doing redfish stuff, that type of thing, definitely using a lot of their their UV products. Um, I don't use the brushes. I've got my own system for that. But, uh, you know, I've always liked their tools. It's They're, they're functional. They're, they look good. But, yeah, it's usually the uh, UV products that I use. Nice. Yeah, their UV stuff's hard to beat. And I like the thin because it penetrates. The threads to finish penetrates. Yeah, it gets real in there. Yep. You know? Makes it a hardy thread. Oh, remind me. This is not going to be good podcast content. Uh-huh. But remind me after the show, I have to tell you guys something very important. Oh, okay. Yeah, just remind me. Just tell me that, and I'll tell hey, you guys you after the show. you got something important to tell us later. Yes, I do have something important. Not, It's not important to us or Honey Hole. It's just someone that we know that we're going to have on the podcast soon bought a fly fishing company. Oh, and I want to tell you guys about it, but I don't want to make the announcement. No, no, I don't want to make the announcement on the podcast. Somebody we know, somebody we know, and someone that's been on the podcast has bought another fly fishing. Has bought a fly fishing company. Wait, dang! Bought a fly fishing company or bought another fly fishing company? No, bought a fly fishing company. Gotcha. Okay, that's exciting. So yeah, the listeners can be teased with that information. Landon has big news. I've I want to share it with you guys. Yeah, sneak peek. But we'll have we'll have this person on again, and they can discuss it more with us. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. good idea. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. That's right. So tonight, what are we drinking, Zach? Uh, I know you want me just to say it because I don't know how the word is. Um, I've called it fregate my entire life, or the last few years I've known about it. But clearly, that's not right because now I look at it and I want to say either fridge eight because you eat things from the fridge, or <laughs> Frygate, and I don't think that's that, that might be right. Maybe Frygate. I don't know. Well, considering it has a frigate bird on the front, yeah. Of it, see, I it would has say a frigate. It has a friggin' bird on the or front. Or it's it just bird. <laughs> it has a friggin' bird. On the front. Well, no, it it actually <laughs> has a frigate bird on the front of it. Yeah, it has a friggin' bird on the front. Of it. <laughs> so I would, for me, I would just say it's frigate reserve rum. No, that's definitely what it is. But I forget that word. You, you know? frigate or you forget it? <laughs> I forget that <laughs> word. <laughs> I forget that word every now and then. Uh, so it's called a frigate? Frigate bird, yes. Yeah, it's also known as the war bird. That's, that's, yep. that's a little tidbit from the back. The frigate or war bird keeps its vigil over the ocean's blue lens by day and night, making landfall only occasionally, maintaining its station as master seeker of... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. The world sees had enough for Hic- Dang, hiccups man. are not good for a podcast. No. Symbolizing complete freedom 
within those thin spaces where sea and sky become one. Such is our choice. Interesting. Life on the wing. Interestingly enough, we did not see any frigatebirds while we were in Belize, but I did. R- I do remember seeing them when I was in Cozumel a few years back. Hmm. Oh yeah, do we have any on our coast? Uh, not that I'm aware of. They're more of a tropical, like bore or um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's more of a equ- equatorial bird. Okay, yeah, this is from Panama. You know. So it's my understanding that this rum is fairly hard to find. Why? Because I haven't been able to find it anywhere. Like the brand anywhere? Like or Frigate Reserve is hard is a hard rum to find. Not just this specific bottle. Not just this specific bottle. Uh, but I found it in a gas station liquor store. In Louisiana? <laughs> no. In, uh, on the way to Camp Capers for the real recovery retreat. Wait. Outside of Bernie. In a gas station liquor store? Yeah, one of the crappy liquor stores that's attached oh, to a gas oh, station. Oh, the liquor store that's attached. Okay, because I'm like, I don't think they could sell liquor in a gas <laughs> station. Normally, you don't think those liquor stores they are. They have the, anything. They just have, like, Jim Bean and Jack. Yeah. But you were in Bernie, so. That's true. They're a little oh, bougie. Their liquor stores, they're like, oh, no, this, this frigate stuff is just, you know, ridiculous. But they have a 10-year, a 12-year, a 15-year, and a 21. They had all four options there. Dang. And I opted for. The 15? The 15. What's the price difference on each? So this one was 60. About the 21. The 21 was over $100. Probably 100 or so. Um, and the other two were less expensive, obviously. I think maybe starting at, like, $30 and then going up to nice. yeah, 45 Yeah, again, I'm not allowed to drink rum that often because of incidences, but <laughs> uh, but I do enjoy this rum. Do you like this rum? I do. It. Um, I think it's see, very good. Before my ice melted a little bit more, it had, like, almost like a – there was, like, almost like a Laffy Taffiness to it, like banana flavor, you know? But now that my ice has melted, it's a little different. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. Very fruity. It's very good. I like I like I could drink this. Like I could keep this at the yeah, house. I like I like a good rum every now and then. Especially a um an aged rum. Right? Assuming it's aged, yeah, it is fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm into it. I liked it. I enjoy it. Very good. Uh, it's freaking great. It's frigate. <laughs> it's frigate great. <laughs> oh, the dad jokes just shoot better from here, y'all. They do, man. They get great. So let me tell you guys about my fishing trip this weekend. So <laughs> I, I asked Zach to go fishing with me. I got turned down mm-hmm. because he wanted to go with his wife. Yeah. I see where I am on the importance list. Yeah, I mean, second, I didn't get an invite, to the wife. so. Do what? Second to the wife. Y- yeah. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Zach turned me down, and Gabe had something else going on. Yeah. And I guess I forgot to invite Chris. It's cool, bro. It's Dang. fine. Um, I was working anyway, so I wouldn't have been able to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, I went out to the old S.A. River, San Antonio River. Ooh, Which part? Oh, nice. Um, Whereabouts I'd, were you, I'd, roughly? I was south of downtown. Okay. I'm not. I'm not expecting you to give your exact yeah, I don't location. Where the water goes from poop brown to just kind of brown. Mm. So that the river actually looked pretty clean where right. I was. Yeah, it looked nice. But so I was uh, checking out a new spot on the San Antonio River. There's a lot of 
traffic, like a lot of people riding bikes and baseball games going on and people walking their dogs and uh, some other people fishing. I was making my way along. And I ran into a San Antonio River Authority booth, like set up like kind of on the sidewalk mm-hmm. next to it. No, actually, I was fishing, and there was like this little kid. He was probably like four or five years old with his mom, and he was like super interested in what I was doing. And he was hanging out with me for a bit. And he's you like, Oh, there's like a fishing event up there. And I was you like, You were Tinkara oh, that's fishing, cool. right? Do what? You were Tinkara oh, fishing? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm not going to teach a kid that. <laughs> he won't even say it. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, they had to leave, so I kept making my way up. And then there's a San Antonio River Authority, like, booth, like, tent set up. And they were handing out, like, cleanup bags. Yeah. And all this. So I started chit-chatting with them for a bit. And they're like, oh, up the stairs, we actually have, like, there's this big event going on, a San Antonio River Authority event. And I was like, oh, I'll go check that out. So Free? Free, yeah. Nice. So I walk up, and... In the meantime, like, up and down the river, they had handed out bags, and people were, like, picking up trash on the river. It was really cool. So I walked up, and uh, they were giving, like, presentations on different things on the San Antonio River. The uh, Master Naturalist people had a booth there. Okay. And so I talked with them a little bit. I'm going to try to get someone from them. There are people against shaving? Wait, What? There's people against shaving. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> people against shaving, yeah. Okay. At a San Antonio River Authority event. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You never you know. know. We are coming up on No Shave November, yeah. so. Yeah, you know. Spreading the word. So, um, talked to them for a bit, and then they had some of their biologists set up there. Uh-huh. And they were given, like, they had pulled fish from the river that morning and put them in tanks, and they were given, like, this is a Guadalupe bass, this is a cichlid. Did they catch them? They electroshocked them. Dang. And then put them in tanks with oxygen. Do you remember yeah. what all they had? So they had Guadalupe bass. They had cichlid. They had another sunfish species. They had shiners. Um, they had apple snails. I remember seeing your yeah, post, about post about that. that. That post came from that event. And then they had uh, uh, an, some kind of muscle. Hmm. A zebra muscle? Zebra mussels? Not zebra mussels. A good kind. A good muscle. Na- nice. Okay, native muscles. I have a video. Dude. I haven't edited it yet. Gotcha. But they were talking. I have another video where they're talking about the muscles. Those apple snails are freaking huge, yeah, dude. They are. As big as an apple. Yeah, they're a real problem too. And they lay these eggs, like on like the walls of mm. the of the river, that look like if you look at it from a distance, it looks like pink bubble gum stuck to the wall. Hmm. Really. And so uh, they actually say if you see them, remove them, remove the eggs. How do you remove the eggs? Take your hand and. Get them gone. You have to chew it? <laughs> if you want. They recommended not eating them because... Of where they're at? Of the San Antonio River. Yeah. But if you so found... no escargot. Right. Yeah, no But if escargo. you found an apple snail, like, in a healthy river, could you eat it? Apparently, yeah. That's what they said. I would yeah. hope... I say I have never seen one personally out while fishing. Hopefully, that just means that they're not reaching out into, say, the Guadalupe or other places like that too, too badly yet, at least. Yeah. So, hopefully I don't run across any anytime soon. We have enough problems with the zebra mussels and that type of thing. So. They are concerned about zebra mussels, but I don't think they've seen any in the San Antonio. They are just know that in they're the in lakes. the Medina. Yep, Medina has them and the Guad has them. Yep. And the they, Guad does have them. They're yeah, very really. aware of... Canyon Lake is inundated with them, so they've flown down, or flowed down from there. Yep. So, I talked with some of their biologists, and uh, they had a huge... I mean, a tank of a Guadalupe bass 
in the tank that they had pulled from the river hmm. that morning. I was like, I was not expecting that size Guadalupe bass mm. in the San Antonio River. A it gave it? me some motivation. Yeah, to catch one. Oh yeah, one of that size could yeah. be a water body record. Really? Yes. Dang. Interesting. Not a state, not the state record size, but hey, but still water, water body, body record, record size. Yeah, I don't fish. Inside San Antonio, all that frequently, I fish some of the outlying ponds and stuff from time to time, but maybe I need to start taking a look at the San Antonio River. I don't have the video on my phone, but I'll edit it and put it on. Have you guys ever uh, killed a snail? Um, Land snails. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's kind of fun. They got like a shell and they're all gummy. You know? Yeah. Those things are huge, though. You're going to have to do some work. Do you think you could stomp on it to death? I mean, those shells are not going to be that strong, but Probably. I don't know. Landis told me to make this freaking armor or something. Maybe. I don't know. Let's like, go I find some and Let's test it. Let's go find some and throw it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want, I mean, Ten ways to kill an invasive species. Hey. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would probably get taken down from YouTube pretty yeah. quickly. Let's put that up on YouTube and see. Let's just <laughs> kill a bunch of snails. I mean, but, you know, it's it, a snail. It it's invasive. Snail. It's not I, supposed to be there. We're doing a, a public that's what good. what they want us to do, right? I mean, you don't want to torture it. You want to do it quickly. Yeah. But. What's the quickest way to kill a snail? Well, if their biologists aren't going to do the research, maybe we should. Yeah, I mean, they're, like, not, they're not going to like they don't drown. It's like know. getting rid of. We could do medieval. We could do medieval testing, <laughs> like crossbow. I don't or think they have at the stake. arms that you could slowly pull apart. <laughs> Put them in a trebuchet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put them in a trebuchet. Yeah, uh, yeah. catapult. You know, boil them, mash them. Stick them in Stick a stew. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got the Lord of the Rings references going now. That's what we it's talked great. about for like 30 minutes before we hit record. So, yes, it's only fitting. It's only fitting. But it was, well, it was a it well was a content. It was a cool event. I made some great content uh, contacts and got some cool videos that I'm going to edit together and put out on TikTok and Instagram. Nice. Anybody like the come Apple on Snow. the podcast? The Apple Snow video got a lot of views. It did. It did. And cool. I am working on getting a biologist from the SA River Authority on the podcast. Nice. Yeah. That would be legit. So, but they were cool guys, and it was a cool event they had on, and then I took a bag of trash. I filled it up. Um, what did you do with it? I gave it back to them for them to dispose. Oh, nice. Of. Better than putting it back in the river. By the way, That's if anybody's correct. interested in doing that, if you go to any of the parks up around Canyon Lake, they have trash disposal bins now that you can go and pick up, like, onion bags or uh, grapefruit bags, and you can just take them and go fill them up as you go fish. And I've I've gotten to where I keep a couple of them in my kayak. So, mm. but yeah, yeah if anyone wants to do it. But the amount of guads and cichlids they pulled out of the San Antonio River, I was like, this is going to be my playground. I need to do this more. If it's, like, river. primarily guads and rios, is my understanding of, like, these stretches of the San Antonio, I am 100% going to be on the San Antonio mm. River more. Yeah. Maybe that's your new honey hole. Maybe that's my new honey hole. And I can kill some apple snails and placostomus while I'm at it. And tilapia. Apple snails, placostomus, tilapia are the biggest threat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really? that's state law now. Is it? If you catch one, you have to kill mm -hmm. it? How would you kill it? Would you just leave it on the bank or would you stab it? So per state law, you have to, you're supposed to remove the intestines when you catch one. What? Yeah. I don't do that much work. Dang. But they don't want you just dumping them because if somebody comes up behind you and kicks them back in the water or whatever, but they, yeah, they want you to go through and eviscerate them. Can I just cut off the head? I mean. I feel like that, honestly, seems like less work than having to cut it open and remove the intestines. 
right Why now. remove the intestines? What's the logic behind that? I'm I guess not, you can't I'm poop, not 100% you can't sure. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? That would be a bad day. Just yeah. sew it, <laughs> just, <laughs> just it shut. Put it just back in. Stuff <laughs> <laughs> right. it all back in there. Yeah. That's why you bring super glue. You That's why you bring super glue. Super glue the butthole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do keep super glue in my truck for just that purpose. Just, just for the butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Yours or a friend's? <laughs> Depends on the circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can rip off that, you know, yeah. that Drama Lupe sticker first. Yeah. yeah. The patch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we could get a Drama Lupe patch made, too. That would be pretty awesome. Ooh. Patch the butthole? No. Patch the butthole. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you going to do sew-on print patches? It on, or print, it on, <laughs> print it on dude wipes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Custom print. <laughs> Cust- <laughs> Custom packaging, dude yeah. wipes, and each yeah. dude wipe has that sticker on it. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with a peel-off decal on the lid. You know, yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. You find yeah. an invasive species? <laughs> You try living without pooping. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me second guess about where I want to go fishing tomorrow, though. I was going to go up to the Guad, but uh, I may have to go hit the San Antonio. I also well, was we don't given. Know, we don't know how we did yet. Well, it's true. We all. I also was given some information on a spot to take the paddleboard. On the San Antonio River, that gives you about a mile and a half stretch mm. of oh, dang. water to fish and paddleboard. I do have a hit. paddleboard. I have a so kayak. So when are we going to go paddleboarding? That's an excellent question, sir. I well, this sure. is off-air conversation. What did you say, Zach? I have a pa- I have a kayak. Sell your cata- kayak and buy a paddleboard. I know. And then we'll Could invite you, you be c- to the paddleboard club. Could you not also? The <laughs> 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 only then? Yes. Dang it. Could you not also <laughs> launch a kayak in the same place? He doesn't want me to launch kayaks. <laughs> I'll be much I'm more still bitter that his, his wife beat me out on the fishing plans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you work for it if you want to fish for me. <laughs> you know. No, no, you could take a kayak. Yeah. Well, I need to get a you got to fish chair. behind us, though. But uh, you can come. Okay. I was going to say, I have a Larry chair you can use if we go, on, okay. go out and fish. But you don't want that kayak anyway. I put, don't want that kayak. Put it on Facebook Marketplace. I, also, I don't want to deal with the people and selling it to Facebook Marketplace. I'll put it on Facebook Marketplace and sell it for you for commission. How much commission? I don't know. 50%. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> See, that's the thing. No, no. not 50%. What? Well, let me ask you this question. So, considering I help run a kayak fishing group on Facebook, mm. what kayak are you selling? It's the advanced element. Uh, inflatable convertible inflatable kayak two person. Chris could sell it for you on his kayak group for a smaller commission. Oh, I'll even sweeten the deal and not even take commission on it. Oh, you send me the information, I can go through and I'll get you in touch with the people. That way, you're not having to do all of that. But because it is an inflatable kayak, I don't know how long it will take. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of our group does a lot of saltwater fishing and stuff like that. And That's kind of why we're oyster. Yeah. But maybe if they already have a hard boat, and but they need a soft boat for you know more packable option as a backup. Yeah. I mean, that's why I have my inflatable paddleboard yeah. for that exact reason. Really, you have a hard sided kayak though. I have three of them. Dang. I have two that I actually use. But see, I'm actually thinking about selling it and saving up and just getting a Diablo. I would. I mean, you do predominantly river fishing, yeah. So that would be ideal. And I could still take it to the coast if I wanted yeah, to. Absolutely, oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Really well with it, and it's kind of like that good combo of a paddleboard and kayak. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I will say the one. That's a better plan. My yeah. one thing that I'm not in love with the the Diablos for is they're when you have to paddle into the wind with them. They're just bulky. They're kind of like a barge, yeah. but the stability far outweighs that, that negative. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I said, there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah, ninety nine percent of my time too, I'm on the river. Yeah. Which that is not an issue for me. Well, that's what know. Diablos are made for. Right. But yeah, going to the coast, fighting the wind would be tough. But maybe one day I just get a little trolling motor. Well, I mean, I mean, ultimately the Diablos, unless you're fighting twenty mile an hour winds, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, even right. like my um, my Riptide is about the same width as a Diablo, and you just hunker down and truck it through. I mean, it's it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Now I'm spoiled now that I have a Hobie, but yeah. The Diablo is going to work for everything you want, and it's a far better fly fishing platform than either of my hard-sided kayaks that right. I actually use. Yeah. What about the Jackson Mayfly? What do you think about that? Um, they're cool versus the versus the Diablo. I don't know. That this is what this is what we need to talk about because you're the kayak fishing guy, and we're like, oh, what are we going to talk to Chris about? Kayaks, kayak fly fishing. Yes, kayak fly. This this is this episode is kayak fly fishing. Okay, so the the Mayflies are cool. I like the designs of them. But the price point for what you're getting out of it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't get me excited. There's other models of kayak that I would rather take out that seem to mean. But isn't Jackson like a household name in kayaks? So like you buy a Jackson, you know, you're getting like quality kayak. They what? are, but at the same time, there's a lot of other kayak or kayak brands out there that are like in our group. I cannot think of a single person off the top of my head who has a Jackson. There's a lot of old towns. There's a lot of Hobies. There's a lot of um, uh, hoodoos. There's a lot of that type of stuff. But Jackson, I mean, I, I'm sure people in our group have them, but I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who does. Um, they're not bad kayaks by any means. In fact, I was looking at them at one point as well. But, I mean, if I was going to go buy a Fly fishing dedicated kayak, neither of mine are ideal for the purpose. I can stand up and fish out of mine all day long, mm-hmm. uh, but there's too many things for the fly line to get tangled around. Yeah, The Hobie, I'm comfortable standing in that thing all day long. I fish in the bay in that all day. Throwing top waters, that type of thing, I predominantly do conventional fishing with it. Doesn't the uh, Mayfly have gunnels, though? Yes. That's a nice feature. It does. I mean, that... So you can carry two rods and have the tips protected? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, still, for me, if I was going to get a kayak that was dedicated to that, I would be going, I would be looking at the Diablo side of the, the spectrum. And I've had a Diablo, and it was in the past, and it was a great kayak. They're awesome. So I have no complaints. The uh, the Adios and the Amigo are, are fantastic kayaks. Yeah. Um, the same argument you want to spend a little bit more and get a, even more functionality out of it, you could just go through and get a micro skiff or a new canoe, that type of thing. Yeah, well. but that's hard to get on the river. True. Right. But that's why I'm saying, so if you're going to be utilizing it predominantly for the river, that's the, that's what the Diablos are Diablo made is for. Diablos route. Yeah. I mean, they were developed in Kerrville. Yeah. And they were by designed. Red Raiders. I was hit by a tech grad, right? Um, he's actually a really cool guy, by the way. I fished with him at the Git Trash cleanup a few years back. Thomas. Yep. He's a really cool yep. guy. He brought out like 10 adioses for us to use for that cleanup. Dang. Um, he just had a big rack and just loaded them up yeah. and brought them all out. But, um, I mean, super, super stable. 
they're built to last. They've got they're heavy, but it's because they've got extra thick plastic in them for when you're going down rapids and stuff right. like that. That way you don't have to worry about cracking your hull or whatever. Um, now you do need to get the Larry chair to go through and have your seating comfortable. Yeah. Um, you can use them without. But I mean that's exactly what they're designed for is running down the river. Right. So a nice Larry chair mm-hmm. and having the the foam padding and yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's more the route to go. That's a good that's a good plan. But I need to sell my inflatable kayak first. Well, Chris said he'd do it for free, so he's a better friend than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting back at Landon for not inviting me fishing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, you know what? I just the same thing about you about dealing with people on Facebook. I sell stuff on Facebook all the time and dealing with people's the biggest pain in the butt. It is, dude. It doesn't even see. It, oh. And I sold a kayak for somebody else, and I had to sift through like so many messages. It's not that you're not my friend, but it's just like it would be work. No, it's worth it's yeah, it's it's a lot. I have heard that the Bernie marketplace though is a little less crazy with all the people like scamming and everything like that. New Braunfels is similar. Is it mm-hmm. a little bit smaller? Not as many people trying to get crazy with it. So I might do that too. You know. They like I said, the the one drawback is people hear inflatable and they kind of cringe at that. For that that group, they probably want, whereas like, you know, with Bernie Lake and everything out there, I could probably get somebody to buy it. Well, even so, when people don't know what they're actually getting with an inflatable kayak, just like I say inflatable paddleboard, and everyone's like, they think it's a balloon or a a pool float, and it's not. No, no, no. Like mine's, the advanced element's more on the top of the line. Mm -hmm. Like it's made for like rapids. I mean, not like what they call my like cat four, cat five, yeah, whatever. Like not white water, but yeah. But I mean, like it can it can handle pretty mm-hmm. good stuff. And I mean, I also have the upgraded floor in it too, so it's the drop stitch, not just the. Um, so it's a ducky. I don't know, it's a ducky. <laughs> well, a ducky is what we called. Uh, when I was doing the white water trips, we would do ducky trips occasionally, uh-huh. which is like a small inflatable kayak, mm. basically. Oh yeah, with an open top, so people fell out. Because you can't take a newbie on a uh, drop-in whitewater kayak with the skirt. Because you roll, maybe. you have to pull, and it's you a huge ordeal. Over, yeah. If you're in a ducky, if you fall out, you fall out, and you swim, no big deal. You can flip your boat over, hop back in. So right. for people that want to do like a kayak trip, they could go down in a ducky. And an and inflatable also mu- won't sink. Yes. Well, a hard boat won't sink either. Unless it take a lot of water. Really? It would take yeah. a. It would take if like especially like a sit inside to actually well even with the sit on tops to actually attempt to capsize one of my kayaks you would be doing some work yeah for the sit on top I mean like if it was like the cutout kind I feel like that one would sink pretty um even so like it takes a lot those yeah and a lot of those sit insides also have ballast pockets in the front and the back mm-hmm. so. Even if you filled the rest of the compartment with water, it's not going to just sink. Yeah. Okay, because there's a section. Yeah. Of it. Okay. You have to have an insanely large amount of water pushing that boat against something else and keeping it under the water. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I like your plan, Zach. You just get on it and get it done, so that way we can uh, all three go kayak. I mean, paddleboard. The yeah, uh, considering I'm not invited unless I have something I can stand up in. I mean. You could take a door. <laughs> I could take a pull door. a Titanic and just exactly. take a door, or just like a flamingo floaty. Yeah, flamingo floaty, or you could take arm floaties. I mean, oh. truth be told, well, technically you can't. You're not allowed to wade in the San Antonio. You're not because yeah, it's gross. I would wade though. Well, they don't. Want I wouldn't to swim. Die. 
Landon's going to have staff next time we see him. Dude, he is. He's going to lose a foot. I'm going to be killing so many apple snails, though. How am I supposed to s- snorkel down and pick up apple snails if they won't let me in the river? <laughs> Unless I'm on an inflatable. I don't know if you're supposed to. Well, that's true. They do want you to get the bubble gum off. How am I supposed to do that without getting in the water? Yeah. You know? Um, they figure you can use your hand and then go through and sanitize it afterwards. That's true. I think people wear gloves. Probably. Yeah, honestly, that's probably how I'd kill snail eggs. Yeah. With gloves. Chew and then chew it like bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> Big exactly. league chew. Exactly. Big league chew. What's in your mouth? I There's no s- way you can get sick from it. I've seen the pictures of like the eggs, uh-huh. but I want to actually see some in person. An apple snail egg. Apple snail eggs. That might be a uh, a video worthy podcast right there. Yeah. Ew. What? That is gr- it does look like chewed gum. I told you. Show me. Th- show the picture. That's weird. Oh, yep, that's another one. It was booty hole. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's disgusting. Look at that. But you know what? It It's disgusting in the idea, but honestly, I'd put that in my mouth. It looks good. Right? It looks like it would taste good. Right? Candy. Yeah. Like, pull, bring that to the movie theater. It is odd that Pop it is snail eggs bright pink like that. Right. I mean, like, honestly, it looks pretty tasty. It is. I mean, it is straight. It's like bubblegum pink. Hubba bubba pink. Yep. Right. And like a little, like, Dippin' Dots. It's Dippin' Dots. Yes. Dude. yes. Strawberry oh, Dippin' Dots. I could, yeah, I could eat that as Dippin' Dots. Yep. However, I feel like we have to say this. I believe they are toxic if you do eat them. You believe or you know? Uh, so <laughs> now I know. Uh, <laughs> apple you know. snail eggs carry a toxin that can cause serious health issues. Eggs are coated in a slime-like substance and carry a harmful parasite called rat lungworm. These bright pink egg cases contain a powerful, <laughs> powerful neurotoxin. So don't touch them. So, yeah, let's make sure we have gloves. Yeah, okay. I, I'm glad we read that because it does look tasty, but now we know that it's so the official So, the official word is hopefully someone didn't cut out like a minute ago and then take what we were saying as truth. <laughs> yeah, but the official they're jogging word. They're by the San Antonio River as listening. They're like, oh, snail legs. And they go and they kill it. And they're like, oh, I'm going to taste it. Don't now, do that, no. is that harmful for you in like a really, really bad kind of way? Or is that harmful for I mean, you? said neurotoxin. Or is and that I'm harmful sure for you in like a. I might want to have a hallucination kind of way. I'm sure something called rat lungworm is perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anything that says neurotoxin <laughs> Sounds like a weight loss drug. <laughs> <laughs> rat lungworm. <laughs> Sounds like the name of an awful band. Yeah. yeah it kind of does. Oh, you know what? We could tie up a bright pink fly that looks like little eggs and call it rat lungworm. Oh, I wonder if those would work on the cichlids in the San Antonio River because there's probably a lot of eggs. I'm sure you brush that off. Well, it depends. Is it toxic to the fish or not? Because if it's if it is, they're then not going to want to eat it anyway. Yeah, but you made a fly that nobody's. Well, we could we could fish for cichlids with uh, peg beads, pink peg beads, and try it out. True. That's true. true Match true. the hatch, man. Hey, maybe that's why pink works so well. Maybe. They think it's rat lungworms. I have a snail fly, too. It's, like, this big. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. seeing that. Could, could you do an apple snail fly? That'd be a big fly. That would be a huge fly. All the size of a freaking softball. Right. The question is, how many generations of Guadalupe bass does it take for them to key on a new f- 
food source such as an apple snail that's that big that's also invasive. I'm not saying that bass wouldn't eat it, but I'm just wondering, like, to key in on a new species and be like, oh, that is definitely food. That's a big meal. I'm going to eat it every time I see it. Well, if you think about it, so let's revert back to the Guadalupe here for a second. So when they put new trout in the Guad, how long does it take them to start keying in on the invertebrates that we have here in Texas? So like hexagenia, that type of thing. Within a couple weeks, they're already keying in on that as food. Yeah, but with with that... That's I feel like natural. that's I feel like that's different because you're taking away their pellets that they eat and you're throwing them into a river to almost starve until they have to start eating everything that they see and then they learn well maybe these might be hooks over time because I've even had them strike indicators and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I feel like that's different because you're taking a hatchery fish, taking their food source away and then being like survive and they have to eat something True. and try whatever. I'm saying like a Guadalupe bass in the San Antonio River probably eating frogs, probably eating other fish, probably eating crawfish. some terrestrials, crawfish, stuff like that. Baby tilapia. Baby tilapia, placostomus. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like I feel like another fish, even though it might be invasive, like let's say a baby placostomus next to a shiner, that's an easier obstacle for a bass to overcome to eat because it's still swimming and doing that. Right. As opposed to a snail that's a big snail. Right, but it's not like a crawfish. But it's not like a crawfish. It's like an entirely different species. Right. How many generations of evolution would need to take place for not the one-off chance to catch one, but for, like, the reliability to consistently catch bass? So, okay. Science teacher. So, I think there's two answers, right? And the first one would be if guads are not affected by the toxins, right, it could happen in the next generation, right? You know, with um, less things to eat because of, like, the other competitors, like the tilapia, the plecos, they could start eating the snails within the next generation, too. But So you're saying that would have to happen if, if, if a food source is removed and they had to find other options for survival. Exactly, because, like, there's so much competition that they have to look elsewhere to find that. So high competition, you're saying one generation. Right. Okay. If they are susceptible to the toxins... That's a big if. Then you may, may being the keyword, have some of the guads, maybe it's a hybrid guad or whatever, that aren't susceptible to the toxins, right? And then those would be able to eat the huge amount of food source of the snails so they would produce more, reproduce more, and so they would send and spread that gene of being able to withstand the toxin. And that would take years. <coughs> that would take several generations yeah. at least. Yeah. You know. Now, as far as the viewpoint of getting them to learn that it is a possible food source, take away the toxin piece, just leave it as this is something that they could potentially eat. Mm-hmm. How many times have we seen where we've got, we're, we're throwing whatever fly you can think of where you have bass that'll chase bluegills away from a fly and come eat it themselves? Now, bluegills, sunfish in general, will pretty much eat just about anything that has either flashy or colorful just because it's a reaction, it's an instinct that they're going right. to go hit this thing. So you have something bright pink like that, and say it's drifting through the water. Those sunfish are going to come up and try to nip at it, regardless. No what. Yeah. 
So if you have a school of sunfish that are trying to eat this pink thing floating through the water and this bass comes up, chases them off of it, and eats it, if it's not going to be toxic to it, well, it's already, it just discovered that, hey, this is a food source. Yeah. So even in that short amount of time, you have that ability for the fish to learn Right now, whether it becomes a staple in their diet or something, but else. that's a single fish. True. And also, fish have short memories too, so I feel like it has to be a. It has to be. Evolutionary change because you can go like, fish do learn, but you can go catch the same bass in an hour or this. I've caught the same trout before. After releasing it, you go catch it again 30 minutes later, and it's the same dang trout because it's got a messed up jaw and it's the same size and it's got the same spots. Um, but I'm wondering, my question is not for that single bass maybe eating that one-off egg, but like for all of the bass in the San Antonio River to recognize. To become a dietary staple. To become a dietary staple. Right. I think it's an interesting question that we should ask a biologist I when they come too. on the show. I mean, we could start training the fish one at a time by just making pink flies and sending them out. <laughs> yeah. You know? Once you get a sure. paddleboard, you'll be invited for our science hey, experiments. you know what? There I go. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Or just buy some Dippin' Dots. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> just feed the fish Dippin' Dots. Just but walk up to the booth while they're out there talking about the apple snail more uh, eggs, and you sit there and eat yeah. the pink Dippin' Dots. Just in right, in, right in front of the quad, like, hey, oh, man, this is so good. <laughs> yeah. You want these pink Dippin' Dots? I feel like you, you have some liability things coming up. <laughs> Try that. You got your own pink dip dots right there, man. <laughs> uh, I went fishing this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Did you catch some fish? Yeah. Oh, I never finished my story. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got on a huge 30-minute tangent. Did you ever catch any fish? I caught one bass. Nice. How big? I uh, Pinky size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pinky size. Although, I... Did not like because I spent so much of my time talking at the event and then also picked up trash and did so many other things that cut away from my time to actually fish. But the the day actually ended up being a success. I probably had more fun doing that I what I was doing than than actually fishing and like talking with people and talking to the San Antonio San Antonio San Antonio River Authority. (laughs) Hey, I did catch a fish though, man. I did catch a fish. You did catch a fish. You weren't skunked. And it smoked the fly. Did it really? I watched it swim like. <laughs> you gotta love the aggressiveness of those little bass. Like, yeah. dude, though. they're fun, man. Every, I mean, every fish is fun. Yeah, except for catfish. I hate catfish. I don't know. I enjoy catching them when they're bigger. I enjoy the fight, and then I realize it's a catfish, and I just get pissed. I'm like, I gotta deal with this thing now. I don't just know deal why. with it, man. Just I hate dealing with catfish. I don't know why. There's a couple I, spots on the quad that I go and like. There's there will be a drop off from a run, yeah, and there will be a deeper hole, and there will be several of them hanging in there, and yeah. you just drift a, a bugger anything, anything yeah. dude. But there's so much fun to sit there and just fight them, especially they on like are. a five weight mm-hmm. or four weight. There, I mean, it's it's a blast. It and is fun. To you fight. get something like Chase up there chasing um, flatheads with game changers. Yeah, I mean. really. That's fun. So. All right, Chris. Oh, okay, so I caught one bass. So Zach, what? How did your fishing day go? Went, went pretty well. Yeah, I went to my honey hole. I caught five bass and probably a dozen panfish or so. Well, who's counting? Who's counting, dude? I'm not, dude. I caught some. I mean, you guys saw that picture. That was probably the smallest bass I caught all day too. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, not monsters, but, you know, probably a pound Anything or so. fun happened? Like, did you use any unique flies or do something different than what you normally do? I used a pimple popper. Oh. Yeah. Well, on two of them, I, I used a pimple popper. The pimple popper uh, continues to get a lot of comments on YouTube, dude. That's because the pimple popper is freaking awesome. It dude. is. People it are is loving a great it, fly. dude. People are loving it. It's classic. It works so well. It looks great, and it catches fish. It's got a great name that I came up with. I do. Yeah, I know. The it's, name has definitely did, grown up. You grown, did not grown. like it at first, but I named it. Yes, and it has since stuck. It is since it is it is stuck, and the name works really well. And it's such a good fly that I'm like, okay, pimple popper can live on. Yeah. So, yeah, I I do like it. So it's it's good. But yeah, so we caught some fish, you know. Um trying to think. Uh I was <laughs> So, you know, like Kendall had been fishing in a couple of weeks, and so I'm like I start catching like a lot of guas and I'm like um you you should probably like go fish, you know. Like you can need to go do that. You know, cuz I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm fishing with somebody and you're kind of like out fishing them, especially if that person's your wife, you're like I kind of, I want, sh- I need you to do better. That way I can enjoy my time more, you know? See, I don't mm. have that problem <laughs> so much. Uh, one, I don't have a wife. <laughs> Two, me, when I'm out fishing with my buddies, if I'm not, okay, let me retract part of this statement. If I'm out there teaching somebody to fish, I do not care how many fish I catch. I want them to yeah, catch fish. Sure. I will, I will not even, like, just like we did at the, the, uh, Real recovery retreat, I didn't fish once. I am all about getting them on fish. I take people out to the guad and teach them how to catch trout. I don't fish until they've caught a few. Yeah. Um, However, if I'm out fishing with my buddies, it is game on. Oh, yeah. Like, if we went fish, if we we went and fished and... I caught all the fish, and you guys weren't catching anything. I wouldn't care. We nah. push you off your inflatable <laughs> kayak. Yeah. <laughs> or you guys would come up with your hook and be like, "Damn!" Right into the yeah. inflatable kayak, and then I'd be. Swimming. And then all of a sudden, you're swimming in the San Antonio River, and you get arrested because it's illegal. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just trying to kill apple snakes. <laughs> Bobbing for apple snails. <laughs> yes. Bobbing for apple snails, dude. That'd be a good sticker. That would be a good sticker. But then you have to put a little exclamation or a little warning, you know, like, don't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat their you. eggs. Do not try this at home. Not, yeah. It was their eggs that are toxic, right? They have rat lungworm. Well, that sounds like a good day of fishing, then. It was a good day of fishing. I'm trying to think about if we did anything afterwards. Uh, no. But, yeah, yeah, it was a really good day of fishing. So. So, Chris. Yes, sir. Let's talk about fly fishing from a kayak. Okay. And how bad it sucks? Because... It doesn't suck. You just got to know what you're doing. Yeah, I am... I'm always fighting everything. fighting my line. That is the biggest Personally, not a fan. I used to have a Diablo kayak. Mm-hmm. I sold my Diablo kayak to get a raft, which I much prefer. But I found kayak fly fishing extremely frustrating personally. And would rather wade, or I would rather row a boat and let someone else catch fish, than I would prefer to sit on a kayak and fish. And my frustrations were line management, mm-hmm. kayak management, as far as like I set up my line and I want to fish this bank, I got to put the paddle down to cast the rod 
Where does the paddle go? My kayak turns because something weird happens, and now I'm not set up for the cast that I wanted to make, so i got to put my fly rod back down. i got to pick my paddle back up, got to readjust my kayak, put my paddle back down, pick my fly rod back up, make it cast. Oh, crap, my line's tangled on this piece of gear that's in my kayak, and now i got to untangle that, but now my kayak is not adjusted properly, so I have to put my fly rod down, pick my paddle up, readjust the kayak. Then I get to make one cast and there's not a fish on it, and then I get to go through that whole rodeo again. You add so torrent into it, yeah. Someone who is uh, someone who runs a kayak fishing page, and I know it's not only fly fishing, it's probably mostly conventional. It's 99.9% 9% conventional fishing. But we're going to talk about kayak fly fishing. How does one learn to master? No, no, no I won't even say master. How does one learn to enjoy <laughs> so kayak fly fishing? And I'm kind of excited about the paddleboard because the paddleboard is like I'm standing up. I've got a place to put my paddle. I've got a rod holder, so I've got a place to hold my rod. You can take a nap if you want. I could take a nap. I could do yoga. Oh, man. Yeah. And there's not all this. The paddleboard is a flat surface with foam on it, so there's not all this stuff to tangle my line up in. So that's why I'm kind of excited to try the paddleboard out. So, but how does one come to enjoy kayak fly fishing? So, there's a lot of different variables that you have to take into account when you're kayak fly fishing. You're you're very much correct that there are challenges that you're going to face while doing this. Um, specifically, like you said, tangling your fly line around different gear in your kayak or going through and your kayak is moving as you're trying to set up for a cast, etc. One of the biggest things that you have to figure out is you have to adapt to the scenario. I will tell you, you said you have not tried out your boat board yet? I have not. Okay, so I will tell you that fly fishing from a paddle board is a lot more enjoyable experience. Than a kayak? Mm. It is. Because you can stand, you get higher. That makes me happy. So I will tell you that. If I'm going to choose to go out and specifically fly fish, I'm going to take my paddleboard every time. However... Okay, so you're just saying if people are listening and they're considering paddleboard versus kayak, you're saying 100% more enjoyable experience on a paddleboard. Correct. Okay. Yes. The, the platform for a paddleboard is far superior to any kayak. There are great kayaks out there for fly fishing. The Diablo, like we talked about earlier, those are great kayaks for the job. But I don't care what kayak you have, an actual paddleboard is going to be a superior platform for you to fly fish from. Okay. Because of the flat deck, because of the open space, all of that. For the reasons I said it. that I was excited about trying a paddleboard, even though I haven't fished on one yet, you're saying that is a good reason for me to think that I'm going to enjoy this. Correct. Board. Now, one thing I am going to tell you because it happens with you're in a pla- uh, paddleboard or a kayak, especially if you're fishing in a river where you've got current, your paddleboard, for this example, is going to move on you. You are going to rotate in the current, and you are going to get off spot. The biggest thing you have to do is be able to adapt to that. Don't try to reposition your kayak or paddleboard. Reposition your casting to account for it. Mm. So, for example... Back in July, I took my paddleboard up the Comal River. I took it all the way up to Com or to um, yeah Comal Falls, all the way up at the at the start of the river. Um, well, post Landa Park. the 
the paddleboard is rotating on me. It's shifting around. We've got current coming from multiple directions. You have to be able to utilize a back cast sometimes. Sometimes you have to be able to use a forward cast, side cast, whatever it happens to be to get that fly where you want it to be. Now, at the same time, expect your cast to not be as accurate as if you were waiting or if you were on, say, a boat. You don't have that stable platform where it's not moving on you, but so your kayak is is turning to the right, you've got to be able to adjust your casting stroke to account for that and cast mm-hmm. it to where you want. That I can do. Yeah, and I don't. I, I know you have the ability to do that. Um, now, as far as gear entanglement and that type of thing with your fly line, uh, there's, a, there's a couple options you have. You can either, one, learn to strip the line over the side of the kayak, which is, in the long run, it's a f- superior option. Uh, and that's something that you just have to teach yourself. It's it's muscle memory. You have to force yourself to do it for a while. And you'll so put your line in the water as mm-hmm. opposed to on the So deck. instead of stripping it into, say, your lap, you just strip it to the to the side and over off to the side of the kayak. Okay. And it's going to trail behind you. Um, that does come into a little bit of a factor if you have a rudder on the back of your kayak because it could entangle in the rudder. However, depending on the type of distance you're trying to cast, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um your other option, what I like to do a lot of times as well, especially if I'm in an area where I've got a lot of wind pushing me around, that type of thing, I will set a towel in my lap and strip line into the towel. Oh, so, the towel kind of grabs the yep. line and keeps so you don't have, or you can take a stripping basket and place it in your lap too. That's true. The only thing with that is you are limited on your stripping space. My favorite way to fly fish from a kayak now is actually to wear a stripping basket and stand in my kayak. Really? But both of my kayaks are stable enough that I can stand in them. I can yeah. I can walk across my kayaks if I want to. Yeah. Um, I'm also I spend a lot of time in my kayak, so I'm very comfortable with my stability and my my ability to move around. Right. You know you can and can't mm-hmm. do it. Anyway. I basically crawled into the back of my kayak the other day um, to untangle some line from my rudder. So it's just one of those things you just have to adapt to it. If it's something that you don't want to specifically learn, you're not going to. I had to learn these techniques because I do a lot of saltwater fishing down at the coast, and we do, again, we do a lot of conventional fishing at the same time. What I do is I will go and I'll gear up for conventional fishing, but I will have a fly rod with me. So if the conditions are right, say we've got 15-mile-an-hour winds or less, I'm going to grab a fly rod. Yeah. So I'm going to go out and be able to go chase reds on the flats tailing versus if it's, you know, if it's blowing pretty good – I'm just going to conventional fish because it's not going to stop me from fishing. Um, I just don't want to be beating myself up trying to fly fish in less than ideal conditions. But me knowing that I enjoy the kayak fishing piece of it and I want to be able to incorporate my fly fishing into that as well, then I had to go through and figure out, okay, how do I adapt to this? And those are ultimately the techniques that I have learned that work for me. So stripping over the side, stripping into a towel or some other type of cloth in your lap to, to keep you from tangling around things, or if you want to go through and do the, um, the stripping basket setup or stand from your kayak. My Hobie is comfortable enough standing all day. I don't even have to think about it. Um, and I just go through, and even in the Hobie, sometimes I don't have my stripping basket, so I'll just strip it off the side of the kayak as I'm standing as well. That works too. Um, it's all about just keeping keeping a mind of... What you have, if I know I'm going to be fly fishing from the kayak, I minimize the rest of the gear that I have with me. The pedal drive is not ideal because that is going to be there unless you pull it out. And even if you pull it out, it's still going to be in place. Um, I guess there's still a hole there. Yeah. So you have a, 
they have cassettes that you can place in the hole if you want to. I don't it's have like one. A little cover. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually a um, it's an insert that goes into yeah, the hole. Yeah, like a little blank or something. And so you can utilize that if you have one. I don't have one for mine. Um, but I mean, my Outback is an extremely stable kayak, so standing up and fishing out of it all day is is a non-issue for mm-hmm. me. Um, I do know guys who don't have the balance to be able to do that, but you know, you, you pick your battles, right? Right. A lot of times, if it's a if it's the right conditions for it, I'll anchor my kayak off and get out and go wade. Yeah. It, I use it as a transport system. But ultimately, I mean, for me, if I know I'm going to go out and fish and I'm going to fly fish, we did we did the run from um, we went from Rio Raft down to Camp Waco. No, we went from I'm sorry, we did Camp Waco down to um, Green a couple years back. And I don't fly fi- I don't do anything but fly fishing on the quad. So all I brought was my six weight with me. And so I just had to go through and adapt to what the conditions were. If we're going through an area with a lot of current, just go through. I've got to actually have a drift sock that I can put out on one side of my kayak to slow me down. Uh-huh. And it'll stabilize the spinning and all that stuff as well because the current will turn you around in circles. But, you know, it's just it's looking at your environment when you're in the kayak. Where's the current coming from? Where am I trying to cast? What am I doing with my line? It's just, it's all muscle memory at the end of the day. So, but I will say, I think you're really going to enjoy your boat board. Um, any paddle board is going to be a great option for fly fishing. And I really enjoy using my inflatable. So have you, what's the difference between, because I have a hard board. Mm-hmm. What, have you fished on a hard board? I have. What's the difference between someone buying an inflatable paddle board versus someone buying a hard board? And I got mine... Through a coworker mm-hmm. or like nothing basically, um, so that's what I have. But if someone was like looking at making a purchase, inflatable versus hardboard. So when you're looking at that aspect from the inflatable versus a hardboard, it has nothing to do with the fishing aspect of it at all. Um, they fish exactly the same. It's the transportability of the unit. So like my inflatable. I have a automatic pump for mine where I can set it to the PSI that I want. My ki- my paddleboard runs at 15 PSI. I plug it in, plug it into my truck, hit 15 PSI, hit start. By the time I get the rest of my gear out and get it on the paddleboard, the paddleboard is up to inflation at the PSI that I want it to, and it is a as hard as a rock. Um, at the end of the day, when I'm done fishing, I go through and I reverse the suction on that pump and it'll pump all the air out of the paddleboard you fold it over roll it up and it goes into a duffel bag so it'll fit inside my truck if i wanted to um and now with the hardboard you're a little bit more limited you either have a rack on top of your car you have the rack in the back of your truck uh you could lay it down in the bed of your truck if you wanted to do that but really that's what it comes down to is the the portability of the paddleboard when you're not fishing in it from the fishing side of things i mean you have the stand-up bar on does yours. it feel different to fish from an inflatable versus a hardboard for a, for the paddleboard actually it doesn't um they have the same buoyancy really um because that paddleboard that you have is made i mean it floats on top of the water unlike a kayak that sits more in the water yeah uh, same thing with the inflatable it sits on top of the surface of the water i mean yes there's going to be a little bit of a draft but I mean, ultimately, like, mine has D-rings mounted onto the top of the kayak, so I have a Larry chair that I go through and put rat- two ratchet straps on there, hold it in place just fine, or I can put my um, 
my cooler on top of it, and I can sit on top uh-huh. of the cooler. Yeah, mine has like a bar, mm-hmm. like like a stand up bar I can lean against, yep. and it's got two rod holders, mm-hmm. um, and, and I could put a cooler on there or whatever else. That's another thing that you will have with a lot of the hardboards is you have the rod holder setups that can, you can put on there, or you have the the stand up bar that you can't do with the inflatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have those features, but I mean, for me, with the way I fly fish out of my paddleboard, I, I a lot of times I don't even stand up on the paddleboard when I'm fishing from it. I just sit in the Larry chair and cast from there mm. because you don't have the extra stuff that you're going to tangle on. You can from the paddleboard, I can strip line into my lap or onto the floor in front of me, and it's a non-issue. Uh, you don't have those entanglements. Gotcha. Like on a kayak, you have like the foot, uh, whatever they call them, the foot <coughs> rests and mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, you either have you have your foot rest, you have your center console, you might have um uh, say on my my riptide, I've got rudder controls where my feet are. I've got a center console, which is a ridge that comes up in the middle that's got cup holders and stuff in it. It's got gear spots, whatever. And that's not too big of a deal if I take everything out of that. Now it but does if have, you have like cup if you have stuff in there, mm-hmm. then that's just one more thing. Pliers, forceps, whatever it happens to be, that's all stuff that you can get tangled on. So you have to find a different space for it. My Hobie has the pedal drive in that same place. It's a flat deck until you hit the pedal drive, but I also have pockets on the inside of the kayak, so I can go through, and if I needed to store extra tippet or whatever, I can stick it in there. there. Do you like the pedal drive? Does it make it much easier to get from point A to point B? That's not even a question. Really? (laughs) uh, Oh, yeah. Um, Let me give you an example. So one of the places we fish a lot is New Oasis Marsh. Uh, I won't tell you exactly where, but... It's up in that that marsh system. And so to get back to where we fish is about five miles just to get there. And then round trip most of the time when we go up in there is about 15, 16 miles. Um, I have done it in both my paddle kayak and in my pedal drive. And aside from the areas where you, if you're in a really low tide scenario or a couple places that we have to drag get out and basically drag our kayaks through, that pedal drive is a world of difference. Like, what's the time difference to go five miles? Oh, I've... Um, well, we typically... Like just to get there. We typically fish on the way there, so it's kind of hard to, to differentiate with a time, but the fatigue factor, getting there and getting back, is it's complete night and day. Yeah. Like paddling out there with the pedal drive can you control the angle of your kayak too or do you have to use your paddle to nope. do that or you, or you so, have the rudder system right so on the side of my kayak next to it's about where my knee is there's a hand control that i can go through and turn left and right and it'll turn oh, my rudder shit yep i, like, I didn't know it. that i didn't know they had turnable rudder, rudder. oh yeah, yeah that's cool my it's like this little tiny just like little thing it's lever. just a little lever it looks like a little dial um, but you just turn it lo- right and left, and it'll turn the rudder in the back, and it'll it'll turn you. Um, my paddle kayak, cool. you can use either the paddle to go through and steer yourself like you would in a traditional kayak, or I have footrests on either side of my center console, and I can push my toes forward, and it'll turn the kayak with the same control. With, with, a, with a, little, a rudder in the back. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I, haven't, I don't think I've seen that before. Yeah, it, it makes things a lot easier because I've had one my older kayak, which I don't use anymore, um, that one was all, it was a traditional kayak. And so, or it was a sit on top of its traditional style and that was all rudder control. And so you, you don't realize the difference it makes having an actual rudder on your kayak mm-hmm. until you're fighting through wind and having to, you know, adjust for 
wind shifts and that type of thing. And you're like, oh, well, I yeah, because you got to pad, you got to push hard mm-hmm. here and then do a light paddle here just to keep yourself going forward. But you're having to overcompensate. Yep. Or double paddle on one side. Yeah. Yep. So the pedal drive, um, the cool thing about it is, especially when you're in a wind scenario, which obviously Texas coast, we fight the wind a lot. Unlike with a standard paddle where you're, you're paddling and if you pause, you're losing your momentum, you're losing, you know, you're, you're getting pushed back by the wind. With the pedal drive, you just keep pedaling and you, I mean, you're, you're not losing any of that momentum because there's constantly force in motion to move you forward. Whereas a paddle, even if I paddle on the right, now I'm losing momentum on my left and then paddle to the left, but losing momentum on. So you're technically fighting it the whole time. The pedal drive is just constant forward momentum. So gotcha. It makes things a lot easier. That's sweet. That's cool. Now, but a pedal drive, when we talk about fly fishing out of it, you're adding more things in the kayak for your line to get tangled in. And so maybe someone that wants, I'm just trying to imagine like a use, a fly fishing use for that. And the way that I picture that is a transport device. Transport you, transport you from point A to point B, and then you can get out and you can wade fish. That's how you view kayaks. and That's how I view a pedal drive kayak. Now, okay. to throw all that out the window on top of everything else, there is a new-ish kayak out there called a Hobie Lynx, and it is designed for the fly fishing community. The way this is set up... Uh, like Lynx, like the cat? Mm-hmm. I'm look it the up way right this now. thing is set up, so you've got your seat and your pedal drive pushed more towards the back, and you have basically a paddleboard front of your kayak that is open space that you can fly fish from. Okay. So wait, say that again? Hobie Lynx. Is this it right here? It is. So what what's going on here? So you have a little bit different design of your pedal setup, but it's a more open floor plan and f- setup for the kayak to facilitate fly fishing more easily. It also drafts a lot shallower. Basically, they incorporated a pedal drive into a paddle board. Um, it allows for you to get up in skinnier water easier because it drafts a lot shallower. Um, with you having the open floor plan and less things to with the flat deck to have less things to snag on. Uh, you just have a lot more ability to go through and strip line off without it getting tangled around things. People use them for conventional fishing too, but this is something that Hobie designed for the fly fishing community. So it, it's a fly fishing design. Correct. Craft. Yes. Interesting. And this is a relatively new uh, unit from Hobie. Have you been in one? I have not. I've seen them in person. I've not fished one yet. I know a couple guys who have them. It's just a matter of it's time. It's expensive. Anything, grand. yeah. All all pedal drive kayaks are going to be a pretty penny. Three grand. Whew. Mine, my current Mama. Hobie is about thirty five hundred, but I was able to get it used on Facebook Marketplace for fifteen hundred. Oh, check that out, Zach. Oh, it switched the videos. But that is specifically what they're designed cool. for is fly fishing. Fly fishing. Very, very interesting. And that's those pedal drives seem like pretty complex mechanisms too. I can see I, I can kinda understand why it's three three grand. Yeah, it's a lot. The the drive by itself runs anywhere from fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Really? Just for the drive. Wow. That's a cool idea though. I'm not gonna lie. 
And I have to say, I mean, the ability to fish while you're moving, I mean, a little bit more for the conventional side of things, the ability to fish while you're moving or to hold on a spot, kind of a, equivalent to a trolling motor, makes life a lot easier when you're trying to be out there in the marsh and fish and that type yeah. of thing. You're not getting blown all over the place. So does this, too, have, like, a control device that controls the rudder mm-hmm. on here? It's kind of hard to see. Yeah, I don't know if you'd be able to see it, the photos. You see where her hand is right there next to her seat? Yeah. That's her controlling the rudder. Okay. Now, again, having your if you're constantly controlling the rudder, though, that's one less hand for fly fishing. Correct. Yeah. Fly fishing is a two-handed activity. Yep. Now, one of the cool things that you can do with those um, with the pedal drive is depending on where you are, it's, it's very location-dependent, but they almost work as a stakeout pole. So if you're in shallower water than the draft of your pedals, your, your fins on your pedal drive, you can actually go through and basically center your fins so they're one in front of the other. And if you stop and just let the momentum of the kayak carry you forward, you can go through and it'll basically just ground you right there, kind of like a stakeout pole will, and it'll keep you in one place. You may rotate around those fins a little bit, but you don't move a whole lot. Okay. So you have that ability. I can do those fins take the abuse? Yeah, they're pretty sturdy. Okay. And then the ones that go with the links are actually 180 fins, so you can go through and adjust them. If you want to get off of the spot you're on, you just flip them around and you can pedal backwards. Hmm. Mine is what's called the Mirage Drive, the um, the original Mirage Drive, and it's a single-directional unit. But a lot of the newer drives that are out there do have the the 180 or they even call them 360 function where you can pedal yourself backwards off of a oyster reef or whatever you happen to come up on. Um, you just kind of backpedal in a way. It's, just, it's the exact same motion. It's just you pull a cord and the, the fins actually rotate 180 oh. degrees and face the opposite direction. Oh. That's cool. Now, they have the 360 drives out now, too, where you can rotate them 45 degrees, and you can go side to side if you wanted to. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can get yourself a nice little angle. Mm-hmm. Now, That's I will cool. say there are two different types of pedal drive. You have a Mirage-style drive, which is what I have that has two fins on the bottom that drive you forward. You also have prop drive pedal drives. I am not a fan of the prop drives. I've never been on one that I enjoyed fishing. And that's more of the bicycle pedal style. It is, and it has a it has, it has an actual, actual prop on the yeah. bottom. And to me, they're more trouble because you have a tendency, especially if you're fishing somewhere that has hydrilla, that type of thing, you're going to get all that caught up on your prop. Um, I don't have that problem with my, with my Mirage fans. drive. It yeah. just slides off. Um, you'll pick up a little bit of grass here and there, but again, if you go forward and you get into a non-grassed area or, or deeper water, it just slides right off the fence. That makes sense. It does. Yeah, that's uh, this. This is kind of cool, actually. I kind of don't think I'd buy one, but I'd like to like sit on one and try it out. You want to take mine for a spin? Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds <laughs> fun. I won't fly fish off of it, but <laughs> I'll take it for a spin. Around the block, maybe. Around the block? You're yeah. going to flood your your street to do that? We need to run down to Florida real quick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Hey, man, people used to do that in Lubbock. Every time it rained, Lubbock floods. They would take down. Canoes. Like they canoes in, going down the street, man. They do that in Rockport. Yeah. Yeah. There were guys catching redfish in the, the parking lot at HEB in Corpus. <laughs> Did you guys see the, the shark that was on the highway? Yeah, I think I saw something about that. I did that. not see that. And, no. Um, a freaking... Seal was like running down a um, a driveway. Nice. I uh, believe it. Chris, do you do? I know that you take your kayaks offshore. 
I have not gone BTB with my kayaks. I know a lot of people who have. Oh, so you have. So what, what taken, is BT? What is BTB? So BTB is beyond the breakers. Um, I have taken my kayaks out far enough to drop some shark baits with them, but that's not typically more than a couple four to six hundred yards. Some guys go farther. Um, I don't typically go. I that thought far you out. went offshore, like kayak, because I know some guys like kayak out to the rigs. I have not done it. Okay, but I know a lot of guys who have. Um, they'll go out to the first set of rigs. Those rigs are actually, and I forget the names of them off the top of my head, but they're only three miles offshore. Um, like I said, we go further than that just to get some of our fishing spots in the bay. Um, I was going to ask you some offshore fly fishing questions. For some reason, I thought that you had gone and fished at the rigs. One day, one day. I know uh, Fowler has gone out, not in a kayak. He's gone out on a boat and fished around the rigs. Is there a reason you haven't kayaked out to the rigs? Um... <laughs> There's a little bit of a pucker factor there. Even uh, <laughs> even you might need some super glue. Um, <laughs> but um, honestly, it's I've not been down with a group of individuals yet who are familiar with it. Seems like you need a strong group because if something goes wrong, I know you guys need who do it there. solo. Um, oh man, I couldn't. I'd be terrified. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, truth be told, and I've not tried dropping shark baits with my pedal drive yet. Um, my, my outback is, is 100% capable of the job. Uh, I know a lot of guys who take Hobie outbacks out BTB and they actually really like them for that use. Um, the, a lot of the guys also use, uh, Hobie, um, pro anglers, uh, just cause you've got extra space. They're bigger. They've got their, it's, it's a boat really is what it is, especially the PA 14s. But, um, for my first time going and doing it, I want to be with a group who's, comfortable doing it they've got some time under their belt being out there i know a few guys who i would be very comfortable going with um and honestly in the times that i've gone and dropped shark baits once you get past the rollers in the surf it's really not that crazy it's just it's a mental game really is what it comes down to um but then you also think about the fact that you're going out there and these guys are either bottom dropping they're trolling or they're chunking poppers I would love to go do it for this aspect because I've got buddies who have video of them out there throwing poppers, and you got kings jumping ten feet in the air to go, that are grabbing these poppers and flying. Uh, I've got I know a guy who's caught a sailfish off of his kayak. Um, no way! Oh I yeah, just pull you around. Yeah, basically you just you hook them and you let them tow you till they tire That's out. That's old man in the sea stuff right there, man. Yeah, it is. You bring that. <laughs> we have <laughs> <the> harpoon out. <laughs> we have one of our guys on on KFT who is actually they went on a BTB trip. I don't remember if they were in a tournament or not, but he did bring back a like a seven six or seven foot sailfish. It's crazy. Yeah, he's got a picture of him. He's got the he's got the bill in one hand. and He's hauled it up like onto his lap. Takes a couple pictures and he lets it Let's go. But our guys go out and catch kings and snapper and ling all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I've just not been down there when they've been doing it to where, like, I'm not comfortable going and doing it myself yet. Um, I'm comfortable enough going and dropping shark baits. But I will tell you, coming back in is a lot scarier than going out. Why? So when you're on your way through the surf, you can power through the waves. You just cut straight through them and let your kayak roll up and over uh-huh. and just kind of cut through the breaker. On your way back in, you can't see those waves coming up behind you. <laughs> and so... Just surf it in, man. You think that. <laughs> um, you would think that till you get that wave that's coming in an odd direction and it kicks your back into your kayak sideways and you end up getting rolled. Um, and oh, yeah, I you, can see that. The nice thing about when you're dropping shark baits, you don't have any extra gear in the kayak with you. So if you do flip, 
It's no big deal. You slip yeah. it and hop back Well, in. you don't flip it. You ride the kayak back in. You just hold on to the kayak. And you just hop onto the You're on not the getting. Bottom. Yeah, you're not getting back in that kayak. Because it's just so, such a constant. Um, for example, there was a trip we were down. We were doing a, get, a meet and greet get together thing, and I had gone out and dropped a shark bait. And the sun's going down. It's not dark out yet. They can still see me, but I didn't go very far. I just went just past the breakers, maybe 50 yards past the, the, the main waves out there. Drop the bait, turn around, come back in. And I was not in my kayak. I was in somebody else's that I'd borrowed. It's a little, like, 10-foot sit-on-top kayak. And they say that the shorter the kayak, that they're actually easier to get in and out of the surf with because you've got more maneuverability. Right. You lose, You sacrifice speed for maneuverability. On that little kayak, as small as it is, and I'm used to, like, my kayaks are 11 and a half feet and 13 and a half feet. Um, on that little kayak, I was coming back in, and I was I was riding the waves. You you typically want to wait for the the swell to come up underneath you, and then you paddle like hell towards the beach. And you basically, it's, it's like riding a surfboard. You go through, and you just let the wave push you in. Well, I had a wave come at me at a probably a 30-degree angle to my trajectory, catch the back end of that kayak, and push me sideways. I tried to correct for it, couldn't do it, and I knew I was going to get dumped. So I bailed. Um, it's a lot easier to go through and just bail out of the kayak than it is to go through and let it actually flip you. you. Yeah. Um, and so, me know I'm now in the surf. Like, I've got rollers that are coming up over the top of my head. I'm not getting back in this kayak. So, basically, I've got my life jacket on and everything like that. So, I just held onto the nose of the kayak and let it push me all the way back into the beach. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone else was kind of like, oh, my gosh, because I'm not in the kayak anymore. But, I mean, as long as you're not sitting there with the Jaws theme in your head, yeah, you know. you're fine. It's not that big a deal. It's just a Yeah, relaxing right ride. after you <coughs> drop. Shark bait, shark bait, yeah, and have that all over Chum you. In the water well, the comforting thing is the shark bait was in the back of the kayak, and it's now three hundred yards out further than I am at this point. So, yeah, um, I there is a technique with getting back in the surf that I have not tried yet that I do want to try. We've got a trip coming up in October. We're going to be doing some shark fishing, um, where you actually come back into the beach backwards. Um, so you let the wave come at you, you know, you can actually see where mm-hmm. the wave is. Okay. Yeah. You, so you're not paddling backwards though, oddly enough. Cause I thought I was like, how's that going to work? Cause you're paddling Are in a direction you can't see. Stabilizing and controlling. Yeah. So when that wave comes at you, you actually paddle forward into the wave, just which is you're enough. actually just enough to get past it. And you let it, the current you ride you back, you back. Oh, and okay. then you wait and you paddle forward at going outwards and then just let the wave carry you probably back. It takes in. a little bit longer, yeah. but it's probably a little bit safer. Yep. And so I do want to try that this trip when we go down. Um, like I said, I've not tried it before. I do want to try dropping baits with a pedal drive as well, and I've not done that yet either. But, um, yeah, as far as the BTV game goes, I'm, I would like to try it at some point, but I've got to have a group of people who know what they're doing. Because yeah. a lot of these guys, the guys who are dedicated to doing it, and the guys that I know are, are carrying, um, like, they've got radios with them. They've got, like, system set up to where they they strap all their gear in when they're coming in that type of thing like these guys have been doing it for a while and have learned so they know what they're doing and until i'm at that point i'm i'm definitely not comfortable going alone but i i have guys buddies that go and do it all the time have you messed with trolling motors on kayaks at all i have not um that's not something that i'm want to do as far as it seems like with the pedal drive it's just probably not worth the effort of well, taking yeah, the battery and all that so in the last few years there has been an uprising in people not running 
true trolling motors, but there's been a few companies out there. Um, Texas Power Paddle for one, and then you've got um, Bixby's another, where they make motors specifically for mounting on kayaks. And they're not in the form of a trolling motor traditionally that you think of where you've got the handle up top, the bar, and then you've got the motor at the bottom. These, like the Texas Power Paddle, for instance, mounts onto your rudder. It clips on there. It bolts in. And you power it on, and you control your trajectory with just your rudder controls. You oh, don't really? You still have your pedal drive in place. Yeah. Because there's going to be times where you've got spots you can't run that pedal drive because you can't, or you can't run your rudder it's because it's low. too shallow. Yeah. But, like, I've got several friends who have the Texas Power Paddles. It saves on the work getting to and from places. A lot of them won't run their power paddles when they're actually fishing because of the noise. They're not super loud, but you can hear them kick it's on enough, and off. And probably vibrations yeah. in the water. Um, and then you've got the Bixby's. So the Texas power paddles have great longevity. You can go through and fish on them all day. We Those 16-hour trips, guys are coming back with like 60% of their power wow, left. Okay. Um, the Bixby's are a lot faster I've not heard any complaints on them with the longevity either. They're more expensive from what I'm understanding. But, I mean, these guys are, you don't think it's very much, but, I mean, you're doing five, six miles an hour on a kayak, you're boogieing. They're moving. So, and these, I mean, we've got a lot of friends who even have the Texas Power Paddles who are converting to the Bixby's just for the speed aspect of it. But I've not done it myself. I don't know that I will. I was standoffish against pedal drive for a long time until I was the only one still running a paddle kayak and – I was keeping up with the gang, but I was getting my butt kicked in the process and then happened to get one at a decent price, and so I pulled the trigger on it, and yeah. I, I will never look back. Really? But I still like I still use my paddle kayak from time to time, but I can say in the last since I got my pedal drive, I think I've used my paddle kayak once or twice. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, Zach, can you, do you feel like <clears throat> you can make an informed decision now about your purchase after you sell your inflatable? I do. Yeah. I yeah. learned a lot. Me too. I'm going to get Diablo. Yeah. For your purposes, I think that's the right move. Yeah. yeah. It's like for, it's the, a great for the once or twice I go to the coast a year, you know, I think that's fine. Yeah. You know, I can fit it in my Jeep pretty well or I can throw it on top because they're not super. I mean, they're heavy, but they're not like. Yeah, they're lighter than both of mine are. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're not crazy. Like, they'll, I could put a, a little blank or something and put it on the top of my Jeep, no problem, you know. So, yeah, I think that's. That's the route, especially with as much river and quad fishing as they do. And it it, it would work on a pond or a lake, so I think too. we have some friends who still run Diablos out there, too. Yeah, really? Yeah, I, yeah. I want to say I believe Ryan Gold still has one. I think he had one. I think Odom. Ryan Gold has one. Odom yeah. has one. Odom yeah. has one. And then Chase had or has one still. Yeah, I think, too, Like I like how st- stable they are. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, I've never really been on, like, a paddle board. I've, I've kayaked quite a few times, but... Um, I don't know how much balance I would have standing up. And I know with a Diablo, I'd be fine, even if it's a little bit heavier. So I can speak to that a little bit. You're going to be surprised if you get on a paddleboard how stable they are. Really? You will. Um, Side-to-side stability, honestly. So a lot of people have this misconception about paddleboards where it's it's like trying to stand on a pool mattress or something right, like that. Right, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. They're extremely stable. Um. I was concerned the first time I got on one, and it wasn't the one that I have now. It was somebody else's. I was thinking it was going to be like this thing that as soon as I step onto it, it's going to try to slide sideways, and it's going to be moving all around, and it wasn't the case. 
it's very much, I mean, it does move, but it's very much like standing on, if you were to take a piece of plywood and put it on like thick grass, uh-huh. that's kind of the, the sensation you like have standing on it. It's still very stable. It moves a little bit, right. but they're not, it's not any worse than being on a kayak, yeah. really. Yeah. In fact, in a lot of ways, I would say, depending on the model of kayak you're looking at, they're more stable than kayaks. Than kayaks. Yeah. So, but I would, I would definitely encourage you to give it a try sometime. Yeah, I want to. You know, it's just, I don't really. Well, you've got two buddies who have them, no, so I know. you can yeah. fix that problem. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. I think we're good. Chris, you have any? Uh, so, Chris, where can people find you? Um, so, I've got a few different social media. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Just search Chris Skinner. You can find me on the Kayak Fishing Texas page. You're the creator of that page? No, I'm one of the admins. Uh, the creator is a good friend of mine. He was a... Um, he was actually my manager at one point in time. He's now just my fishing buddy. So uh, his name is Kyle. But uh, I'm just one of the, I'm one of the admins for the page. I uh, do a lot of of. Are you the hammer guy? Like, are you the kicker? You know the. I'm removing the, you. The block guy. We are all part of the Band Hammer League. Yes, the uh, Band Hammers. Um, yeah. So oh, that's a good sticker. <laughs> <laughs> so we all do play that role if, if there's someone's getting on like we don't we don't put up with any type of harassment any type of jeering that type of I mean if it's all in good fun okay but when people start getting out of hand we yeah. we go through and we have that conversation with them or we straight boot them depending on what the what the, the scenario was. is right um but like for example we had a, a good friend of ours Oscar runs an organization called Fanatic Foundation uh, it's all about getting kids out on the water. They do some wounded warrior project type stuff. It's it's not dissimilar from real recovery. It's just not fly fishing based. Yeah. And so he had a tournament out of Calaveras this past Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. And I went down. I didn't fish it. I went and hung out, hung out with the guys, you know, showed my support. But I do a lot of that type of stuff. Whenever we have an event with another group that's going on, I'll go and, and show support, that type of thing. But the kayak community is pretty... We have, there are different factions, but we, a lot of us kind of blur the lines there. We, we kind of intermix. Can you catch redfish on the fly at Calaveras? Yeah, I've done it. Sink it tip. Is it something that you could reliably do, or does it take the perfect conditions? Um, so it is not something that I would recommend you doing year-round. Um, you're definitely going to find it more easily doable in the fall. Um, in the fall, the redfish tend to stack up along the dam in the shallower areas because they go through, even though their spawning is not successful due to chemical reasons that I won't get into here, um, but they go through that phase. They, it's, they go through the motions, really. Yeah. Um, so they tend to be congregated more along the dam, so it's easier to find them. Um, today, I could have easily caught some redfish on the fly had I gone back to my truck and uh, grabbed how, a fly rod. How deep are they? Um, when they're stacked up along the dam, they're... 10 feet deep. Like, they're not Super in the deep. grand scheme. What kind of flies are you throwing? Streamers, it would be exactly like you're fishing for striper. We should okay. do a little trip out there and then come back and talk about it. Yeah, yeah, a little kayak. I'm down for it. little kayak, catch some redfish on the fly. The tough part about it is just finding them, really. Because right. if you can find the schools, it's not hard to get them to eat. Um, it is, the difficulty is finding the schools. And you can, like, so for today, I was I was out trolling crankbaits for redfish and none of the fish that i caught that i see on my my sonar 
Um, however, I've been out there on days where you go across a specific spot and there will be dozens of redfish lighting up your screen. And that, so having the, the sonar capabilities to go through and find them plays a big part. Um, I mean, you could randomly get lucky and find some. It used to be easier back when we could fish the wall because the redfish were pretty much always there. Um, but once you find the fish, it's it's no different from striper fishing on Canyon. How deep is that lake? Uh, it's about, f- it's between 45 and 50 feet max. Okay, so the, the fish would need to be like 10 feet deep, basically. Yeah, I mean, so what I do typically is if I find them where they're not sitting up shallower, I go through and I'm using a really heavy sink, like full sink line. Um, go through, cast out, count down. But, I mean, I've I've caught fish as deep as 20 feet. Okay. Um, but it, it just takes the patience to let your fly get down to that depth. Mm-hmm. And you're basically, you're dumping line off the side of the kayak and just letting it sink. Just trying to get to yep. go you, down. Yeah, you cast, you, you make your cast, and then you just start peeling line off and dumping it over the side of the kayak. And just let it sink to the depth that you want it to, and then start tripping it back. Yeah. But it's, a, it's really a game of finding the fish. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, Chris Skinner 713. Okay, sweet. Well, if you guys have kayak questions, you can direct them at Chris. If you have a kayak to sell, you can also message Chris because he doesn't <laughs> take a commission off sales. I don't know why. <laughs> I might if we start getting too many offers. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, reach out to Chris with your kayak questions. Chris, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, I'm glad We're going to go paddle boarding. Let's uh, do it. And kayaking. And kayaking. <laughs> When you have a di- Diablo counts as a paddleboard. So when yeah. you get your Diablo, Why you're Why can't invited. I just go out with my inflatable for right now? Because you got to sell it. If we allow you to come out on your inflatable, you won't sell it. Oh. You know that's true. It is true. It <laughs> is, you know that's true. true. I mean, to be fair, if or, you... Or Chris has extra kayaks. I, I mean, would say, to be fair, I could just go through and let you use my paddleboard, and I will use one of my kayaks. <laughs> yeah. No, we, you can come, Zach. You're invited. Yay. So reach out to Chase. He's got an NRS. He'll let you borrow. Yeah. Ooh. So anyway, it's also an inflatable. Guys, thanks for listening. Join our Discord. It's in the yeah. link in the bio. It's a lot of fun. Be on the go to our website, honeyholeangling.com. Click on the button that says store, and then click on the selection that says stickers. Be on the lookout for new merch, stickers, and Maybe go find Super our selections. new Super <laughs> selections. Yeah. Go find our new uh, Honey Hole Angling X Drama Lupe River sticker. Exactly. Chris is a fan. You're gonna buy I, some. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna need. I'm. I'm gonna need at least two, probably more. Okay. I might just randomly start sticking on people's kayaks. Ooh. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll catch y'all next week. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.